Hello, Dan. How are you today? Not, not too bad, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. I've had no crises. How about you? <laughs> I had a, a couple of crises. Uh, actually, I was sp speaking to a Welsh person yesterday, and she was saying about how Welsh people always go off the negative, so not bad, as opposed to well. Oh, yeah. But I think that's what English people do as well. I think that's a great determinant of the general mood of a, of a country. And I think we should have a, a map of the world in in which it says either not bad or good, <laughs> you know, just to, to distinguish who's happy and who's not. Or I don't know if it's if it's actually a measure of happiness or sadness, but it might be a measure of sanity. Mm, yeah, it might. Um, I hear or honesty. I don't know what it's what it's gauging. Uh, what have you been doing that's creative this week or, or related to the subject of our podcast vaguely, even though we're going to wildly okay. veer off as ever? This is, it's maybe too enticing mm. because I can't share it, share it fully. It's not, it's not like anything amazing, but I had this idea for, for a film and it's very much like a gimmick idea. Hmm. Do you see Bird Box? In the movie with, with what's her Bullock. name, and she, Sandra Bullock, and she has a blind. She can't see. There's. I haven't actually seen it. I just know the gimmick of it. You know, she's wandering around in the woods with a blindfold, and if she sees the monster, she's dead. Mm. You know. Anyway, so the 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 movie idea that I have is like a high concept, low budget. So it's a gimmick um, notion, and I. I'm I'm very much like I usually share every idea that I have and I don't care I don't think anyone would ever steal anything that I have like I I'm really it doesn't matter to me but this idea I feel like I don't want to share because it's so simple and it's I don't think it's ever really been done that I feel like it could just be and it's like it's it's not it's something it took it I couldn't really say anything about it mm, because but those are the best aren't they I mean the the, yeah. the like this Sandra Bullock one. I mean, what what do you need? You don't need. I think I I think I did see it, but if I'm right, you just you know you that's such a a great uh, MacGuffin, isn't it? Because you just you, you don't need a monster, you don't need anything, and you can create right. So you you need a forest, Sandra Bullock, and a blindfold. Yeah, and that's the, that's it. I mean, I remember seeing that trailer and going, ooh. Mm. You know, ooh, and I feel like this idea that I ha that I have, which is only just an idea, like, and I made it actually. My son was home for Thanksgiving, so he and I went out and we made a, a minute long, not trailer, but just sort of like proof of concept thing. And I've sh I've shared that with my filmmaking director friend Robert uh, Bartolome, who we we spoke to on an earlier episode. So he and I are sort of starting to work work on on that throwing ideas into the pot of like how can we take this and wrestle it into a a story brilliant um, yeah. i wish i could sh I, I can share you i, I could share it with you yeah uh, you can share it with me and but that's not going to help anyone who's listening but you no, know but you could go Ooh, that is amazing yeah i love that and then and then the people could feel even more left out yeah which okay. is the goal of this podcast <laughs> yeah exclusion yeah, yeah. um I heard a great phrase today. I I was talking to a business friend and he he was talking about I was showing him the the document for 
hold Excalibur. And we were talking about that. And he said, he was talking about talking to investors. And he said his mum had a great phrase for people who really want to know the detail of the costs and, and all that. It's, oh, it's yeah. the people who want to know where the fart came from and where the stink went. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which isn't one of those great old, you know, mum or grandma phrases, isn't it? Right. But then it starts to feel like, isn't that everyone secretly? Don't we all want to know that? I don't think so, no. No, no, I know lots of people uh, do that one. I don't mean I, don't. I guess I'm that, I, I'm that kind of person then. And I don't want to be. I, I want everyone to be with me uh, in that. Well, no, I, I, feel I don't bad. think I'm... No, I don't, I don't want to... Well, he was saying that the essence of a, of a great business leader is to, to hire good peop, people and, you know, get them together and say, you know, I'm, here's your responsibilities... I'm going to leave them to you and assume, you know, and I'm going to support you, give you what you need. But those are your responsibilities and I'm not going to tell you how to do them. And I, we were sort of comparing notes because I think that's what good directing is. You, you hire good people and then mm. get out of the way and you don't, you don't interfere with that. And, and, and I think also, sorry, you're going to see, were you going to chip in there? What are you going to say? Well, I, I think yeah. I was going to ask if that's what you 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 know if that was something that you were sort of using as a sort of great director concept and whether you're applying that in your whole Excalibur experience. Not that you need to apply the lessons of the business leader, but I just wondered if, that, if that's where you were going. Well, yeah, I think I think that's what I do generally because I don't. I mean, I've got an idea. Like I think like everyone else, I've got an idea of what the other people do in the in the crew but you know i'm not a, gr a great cinematographer or, or i don't right. know all how all the buttons work on the camera or anything but you know i know the basics but i you know you hire an expert you get an expert director of photography or an expert sound person and you that's their that's their sort of remit they have the little little area of of what, right. what they do and then you liaise with them but you don't sort of need to know what the focus puller is doing or direct them or you know i feel like that's what makes filmmaking such an odd art form and you know like i just heard somebody today talking about you know woody allen being one of the great directors mm. right and i just was like I mean, I there are a lot of his movies that I love, and I just I think he just definitely has a certain type of a of a style. But he's really just a, just a he's very good at telling the stories that he wants to tell. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it makes him and 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 getting you know and doing a lot of he's made a lot of movies and you know regularly um, putting out movies. It was Alan Alda was talking about, it, and he said the thing about Woody Allen is Woody Allen on set doesn't talk to anybody he doesn't like talking to people in real life so he doesn't talk to people on set <laughs> and alan aldo just loves talking to everybody mm -hmm. and so he found that you know difficult but at some point you know he understood this is a reflection of of who woody is and how he is and he just kind of lets everybody do what they do but it's strange to think of him as a great director when he's not talking to anybody and is just hiring all the right people and doesn't really have some, I mean, he, he's not, his films aren't 
preposterously beautiful, nor are they tremendously, I don't know, edited or executed. You know, I don't know if you, if we think about him as a, you know, the way we might like to think about Martin Scorsese or, you know, Quentin Tarantino. So I guess it's sort of like, what is the art of film directing? Like, because part of it seems like what you're saying is like, get the right people in the right places at the right time and let them be, you know? Or is it seeing a story, knowing how to tell it, finding all the pieces that can help you tell it, and then sort of like setting them in motion and then documenting it as best you can? And it, like, it's, it's, a, it's a curious, you know, form of art. And I just wonder what a great director feels like at the end of a, of a movie. Do they feel like, I just made a great work of art? Or do they feel like, I just started, you know, I just launched a successful McDonald's franchise? You know, <laughs> does it feel like, like a business thing that you've completed? Or does it feel like a great work? Hmm. I've never finished one, so I don't know. But the way you make it sound, it's not, and the way I've been thinking about it, it seems a little bit more on the side of business than on the side of art. I don't know. I mean, I think that's a... I always think uh, that uh, it, it's never clear. Anything, nothing's ever clear because this is a friend of mine who's a, who, who was an agent said, you never get to the actual champagne cork, cork popping moment because she said she'd have a client who'd get a big movie role and they'd be like, oh yeah, great. You know, they'd, she'd ring them and they'd say, yeah. And then they'd say, well, you've got to be here on Thursday. Oh, wait a minute. How are we going to get the hotel? And then wait a minute, you need to get the childcare for that. And then, oh, we need to talk to them about the, where I'm going to live and all that sort of, thing. and then it would get, you know, it wasn't a defined, woohoo. It was a, mm. it, you know, there were, it's logistics. And I, I mean, everything I've ever finished, I've never felt, well, hey, you know, great right. that's done and let me take us let me take a step back and examine objectively what i feel about it and put it in this slot it's you know you, i think you always feel um i mean you i know your feelings are amazingly ambiguous when you i mean you yes you've completed some amazing things and uh, i don't that's why i don't feel i don't agree but i th i think i'm i'm hoping that there are people out there who do have the champagne a cork pop moment because uh, well it just seems like such a uh, maybe I, I don't like the idea that that's a fantasy and that nobody has that like I mean at some point Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach had to have a champagne pop moment you know with Barbie like yeah. they had to go uh, they, they can't have just been troubled <laughs> and and dark and depressed and dark feeling as it crossed a billion dollar threshold and became the biggest movie of the year i don't think they, this they, would, would have felt well necessarily i don't think that i think there's a, a halfway point i mean i think they were probably just so busy you know i mean you you know what it's like if you have some you, you have you, you have something that that is finished then you've got other stuff after it i mean especially in they had a moment publicity. come on there's a time <laughs> when they just so. they're in the hotel room and and there's a big whatever it is downstairs you know, where they're going to be honored and feted and everyone's going to love them and look at them with just such admiring eyes where they just, you know, stood together in the dark of the hotel room and looked around to see if there was some champagne because that was the time to do it. And then just <laughs> yeah. maybe fell into each other's arms, I hope. 
I don't know. I just okay, want there to be. You... I, I want there to be a finish line. Yeah, where your your arms go up in the air and you're like, I yeah, did yeah. it! I did it! I'm not crossing that finish line, <laughs> but I want there to be one. But no, you you you've crossed it, you see, and that you, and you're saying there isn't one. But I, you've done. But I was in last place, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no no medals were for me. Well, you know, you see, you, uh, you see some, like you see a boy band or something, and you think you see them in front. You of, do. <laughs> <laughs> in do front, you? Yeah, you know, you see them in front of. You, you know, I see someone like Robbie Williams. No disrespect to Robbie Williams, and I see, you know, I see his music. I see him in front of, you know, I don't know, fifty thousand people, and I think, eh, you know, he doesn't do it for me. But you know, so uh, I don't know what 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 point do you do you think? Uh, do you think? Oh yeah, I've conquered the world, or I'm I'm the best, and then and then. I mean, you know. you, maybe you never do. I mean, I know Steve never. You know, he, he all, even though I feel like Steve is incredibly successful mm. and has it all sort of in a way, yeah. he's still like, I'm not there yet. You know, it's this like, is our friend so Steve he seems kind of Mount, uh, yeah, so he seems kind of Mount Everesty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was trying to be casual. Okay. So I, I, I sort of see him like he's in the Himalayan mountains. Maybe he's not on Everest, but he's mm. on, you know, the, one of the big ones up there and, you know, um, why would he want to climb any higher or be any higher? Mm. Like it's he's it's perfectly like that's success to a certain extent, you know, whatever you, however you define success. But but no, there's more. There's higher. There's you know, and so he's still reaching. And I, I it's probably true. It's probably always the case that there's at least I, I don't know if it's if it's um, healthy. I don't know if it's meaningful. But that drive to you know, go ever higher on the ladder mm. seems to be very human, or at least in our current world. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're glad, we're lucky in a sense that it's arts that we feel the need to do that with, because you know, you've got like the the likes of Donald Trump who have a, a void within them that they have to constantly try and fill with some with with money or approval, or, and it it's never full. And you, I, I mean, I look at someone like Neil Gaiman, who you think must be, by any measure, enormously accomplished. I mean, he's mm. he's f so successful. I mean, everything he touches sort of turns to gold. And yet he keeps, keeps, he's always advertising his stuff. And, you know, you, you see there's a constant drive there. Right. And you, you I wonder, I wonder if the, 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 the secret is really to to be running in your lane and enjoy the run be try and be satisfied with the run rather than with crossing crossing some finish line because once you've crossed it you'll find another i don't know but it i it i feel like that sort of relentless work ethic speaks to some dissatisfaction yeah i agree because you know i do think I do think it would be natural if you were satisfied that the state of satisfaction would lead toward a quiet place, mm. uh, a, a moment of rest, or you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go off by myself now and let all the furor of this TV show that I just did, that was a big success. I'm gonna let that quiet down and calm, so I can think, rest, remember who I am, and wait for inspiration. And then if that comes, I'll make something else. But if it doesn't, that's okay. 
but I feel like the you know the the world at that high level doesn't allow that. So mm-hmm. you know, people like Neil and Steve have to keep uh, throwing stuff out there, mm-hmm. or that world will close the door on them. That's their fear. I, I mean, I, they they worry that if they aren't putting out work consistently, they're not in the face of the world, sticking mm-hmm. their face in the face of the world, that they're going to be left behind and considered sort of defunct, like no longer uh, active. Uh, so, I don't know. I, cause that, I, 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 sorry, go on. No, 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 you go ahead. Well, I was just thinking that, you know, the their work doesn't show to me really any uh, any signs of deferring to populism. So, for example, Steve's series, which if you're listening, you should really check out. It's called, one of the series anyway, is called Patriot, and it's on Amazon in the UK. I don't know where it's on in the States, but I think it's still available. Same, same. there was... It's a, it was it was produced by it was an Amazon show. Yeah, it was one of their and it went to in-house two, two seasons. But it's one of the most strangely idiosyncratic and pure creations I've seen. I mean, it's brilliant, but it's really you 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 look at it. I thought it was going to be a sort of just a kind of spy show or a kind of cop kind of procedural, just by looking at at it and I started to watch it I was thinking what the hell is this and it's so it's so weird and it's mm. it, it it's kind of like it's got a very indie strange and pure sensibility to it and so I don't find Steve's work I I, I, I don't find it giving sort of conceding anything to to work. I don't think that I'm not I'm not saying that uh, it's sort of like oh I have to find something that's popular it's more just I have to keep working. I yeah, have to yeah. keep putting material yeah. out there um or uh it seems like I'll disappear. Like the the phone calls won't keep coming. And I think there's a truth to that. I think you know, if you put out uh, a TV show every year, you're going to get you're going to continue to get lots of calls, but if you miss a year or two years, mm. you don't have something out there, the the calls stop coming. You know, people don't think you're working or something like that. Uh I, I've not experienced that. That's just my impression from him and from others that I know in business the, that they fear that the, the phone calls will stop coming. Yeah, so they I'm sure, keep yeah. working. They keep keep going, and it just it seems exhausting to me. Yeah, I mean, I but I I feel that pressure to to constantly be making stuff, but I don't really. I mean, I don't get any phone calls anyway, so it's not like they're going to well, stop. I don't know where the pressure comes from, but not yet. You shall soon. <laughs> Soon enough. When I when I twenty twenty four twenty twenty five, you're gonna start hating the phone and loving it. <laughs> oh, you know what I bought today? I I bought some very fine fishing wire because I want to. I'm going to make the do. I'm going to insert a shot into the trailer, the teaser for Hold Excalibur, and it's going to be the sword coming out of the water. And I'm going to lower it in with on fishing wire. And then, oh my goodness! Yeah, special effects. Yeah, the lengths that that will go to to <laughs> capture such beauty. You know what? I I think that it will look 
it will look amazing. To be, I, I seriously, I mean, I think it will look look great. I don't think any amount of CGI could make it look better. I mean, I always think we were talking about this. We were talking me and we had a, a brilliant meeting. I don't know if I spoke about this in the in the in last week's podcast. We had a meeting with the art department and the creature effects guy and to talk about this creature called an avank which is uh, a monster from welsh mythology and we were talking about how how it how we're going to realize the monster and todd the the creature effects guy was saying that you just got to adopt the right technique and uh, technology to make it look good for the occasion so we were saying that i mean me and the art director dave always talk about how cgi is maligned a lot everyone says ah you know practical is best and i think practical is broadly best i personally feel practical effects are are better but what's bad is bad cgi cgi isn't mm. bad it's that when you can tell it's cgi and, you, and well dave coined it very well he said when you're st- when you start to, when you're thinking how did they do that that's when you've lost the audience i think right when, i mean nobody was upset with jurassic park no when no. that came out i think i think people are only only start talking down to, on cgi when it's bad you yeah, know like yeah. i think there have been some recent marvel movies tv shows like the hulk where the cgi just looked off it didn't look like it wasn't meeting the standards Mm. the high standards of of the marvel cinematic universe (laughs) but it's really only when it's bad and then it's not that cgi is bad it's just been badly implemented yeah yeah. you know it just hasn't been done properly but i love i mean i think that the i mean i think the ideal thing in terms of effects is is really just whatever works and if it can be done practically, do it practically. If it would be more beautiful, more majestic, more suitable to whatever the that bit of the story is, if you can afford it. I mean, CGI is incredibly, incredibly, strangely, awfully expensive. I feel like it should be coming down all the time, because, but it's always more expensive than, you know, doing something for real. Yeah, um, yeah. What are your plans then, like, in terms of, like, how are you going to incorporate CGI? Are you going to do it, or are you just, are you trying to figure out how to do everything practically? Well, to be honest, the the beauty of this is that I can go and try it. And literally what Mm. I'm going to do is go, I'm going to take my iPhone down to the canal. I'm going to have my son standing on the bridge, and he's going to lower the sword into the water. And the, I'm going to do it on an iPhone, because I know... I think it'll. I, I don't think anyone will notice that it's been done on an iPhone. I mean, this is a, to. This is granted just a teaser, and it'll only right. be watched on computer screens. It won't be watched on a cinema screen, mostly anyway. But it, I, I, it's the the teaser itself was filmed on a fancy cinematic camera, and I think this I can film it. Such a, and then I'm so if that works, I've got a sort of decoy. Uh, a decoy not a decoy what's the dummy sword so that the prop itself doesn't get ruined i'm going to lower that in and out see if that works and then i'm going to do it with the real prop if that works and see if that see how to do it i might reverse the footage so i might lower it in and then reverse that footage so it 
looks like it's coming out and I'm going to then do what we're ter- terming a, a sword's eye view so I'm going to attach Ooh, the camera to the time. sword and then I'm going to drag it through some w- waterfalls and rapids Ooh. and uh, see if that you know to have it give it the swirling feel as it comes up through the water i um, love that idea i love the idea of the swords eye view okay that's that's super cool yeah. thank you good job that was a good meeting it well <laughs> it, you know again I mean, that's that's not my idea it's it's the dave the art director's idea so i don't want to take credit for it but i'll take credit for standing in the in the water in a in a welsh waterfall <laughs> dragging the uh the 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 sword through it and uh i think i'm just gonna try it's gonna be incredibly crude when, when is this happening Tomorrow? i don't know because i need a dull day because what you oh, like a, yeah silvery overcast nothing of a day yeah because right. you can then alter the light conditions but what you can't do it's much more difficult to take out glare and sun, interesting sunlight yeah I feel like in the old days, I mean, this is probably still the case, but it just made me think, uh, you know, there was that, the mythical, or it's real, but golden hour, when yeah, it's the yeah. best time to, to, to film, and it's sometime around sunset, maybe before then. But it almost feels like what you're suggesting is that, maybe because of the, na- the nature of these of cameras now, the way that they are in light, that it's almost better to have a neutral light than it is to have like some beauteous light because you can do whatever you want with the image. If you've got that neutral light, you can take it any direction you want almost. Well, again, you know, I'm not, this isn't my speciality, but I think you can either use, you can use, I mean, golden hour, once you get um, golden hour, in other words, yeah, the, the hour before sunset, you can, you get such a an amazing quality of light, the low light and you get, light behind things so that you get them sort of outlined by they they have a sort of almost an outline of light behind them and you get mm. they get this beautiful glow and i think that that would take such trouble and care and expense to simulate and it still wouldn't look as good i think the what you can what you can do with it, it on with on a dull day is you just you you can manipulate that because what i'm going to do on the sword is a is a close-up so mm. it's just because we've got long shots and mediums, and we, but we we just want a close up of the sword coming up through from the water. But I maintain, you know, as you know, I'm sort of so enamoured of Gareth Edwards, his kind of ethic of being light, lean, and cheap, that I reckon I can do it on a on a on a on an iPhone. And in fact, you can follow whether I achieve it or not because. You can, if you're listening, you can go to secretplanetpioneers.com where I put bits of stuff to show you, uh, show you what we're doing and how we're making this project and a couple of others that I'm working on. So you can sort of see behind the scenes as we're, as we're doing it. So hmm. secretplanetpioneers.com. That was a, that was a long way to a pitch for the website. It but was, you got yeah. it in there. It was a you long walk. Look like, at the view. 
I, uh, I'm going to start with my very fine fishing wire, <laughs> and it's going to lead into a really nice something.com. Secretplanet.com.uk? No, it's... Did I say it right? You didn't. Ah, you ruined, I ruined it. it. Secretplanetpioneers.com, which is itself a kind of art project, which I've been working on to because the... Oh, okay, I don't, I don't want to plug my own stuff, but it's free, so it's allowed. So what secretplanetpioneers.com is, is there is the secret planet which is an art project in itself and today we've been doing we the art director's been doing a map of the secret planet and what will eventually happen is that you can for a very modest fee you can buy some land on the secret planet and we can name we will name features after you or your loved ones or something. So you could get a Mount Sean or something for 10 quid. And that's you, then it will go on the globe of the secret planet, which you'll be able to look at online. Mount Sean. Mount Sean. I, Mount Hurley. Mount that's Hurley. weird when you say it. I, I don't, do you like your name? I don't love my name. It's just Sean Hurley. I, it just sort of sits there for me, sort of like, mm, mm-mm. I don't want, I mean, I wish that I was like, oh, Mount Sean, that's great. Or Mount Hurley, that's, but that's worse. But uh, I don't know. Well, cause, I, cause I might get a new name. I think you should, yeah. I, I think, let me think of a name for you. Please. But I think, I think Sean Hurley, if I, to be honest, I mean, this could be complete prejudice because I'm close to Ireland. I just think, you know, there's, you're right there, Sean. How was Mrs. Hurley? You know, <laughs> that's how I think of, of Sean Hurley. When I think of you, I think of, let me think, I think of, I think of Calvin Smith or, Calvin no. Smith? You mean the, the economist or something? No. Or the philo- philosophical? No, I just mean, philosophical? A, just a name I came up with for you. Cause you're oh, Calvin t- Smith. Yeah. You're a tall man with, in, with intellectual looking glasses. So, I think. I, I'm not very tall. Are you not? No, no, no. Well, how you tall sound, do you think I you am? You sound tall. I sound tall. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I've never, no one's ever told me that. I feel <laughs> flattered. <laughs> He's the tallest sounding man I know. <laughs> no, I'm just a regular, I'm like 5'11". Oh, right. Well. I mean, that's, which is like, I think just like the definition of average. Well, um, on that note. I'm going to tell you something else that I thought might be is film related that, or might be useful. I mean, this is, this is very, very unglamorous, but I've had trouble with my the case of my phone because I've because I got a waterproof case, you know, an old singing, dancing, waterproof, bulletproof case for the iPhone because I've got an iPhone 14 Pro Max, which is a sort of big. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Bitches. That's yeah. pretty advanced for you. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, you probably had like an iPhone 6. No, it's, it's, so I got this to, to do this filming with. And uh, I got a waterproof case and I took careful care to, to choose to, you know, to research it. But what waterproof cases is the f- happens with them is that the front, if you use them regularly, just in normal use, that the front screen cover starts to slightly buckle and loosen. So you find that you can't quite as easily touch the the screen. Oh, my God. In effect. I mean, I know this is incredible. So it's waterproof. Boring. It's waterproof and Dan-proof now. Yeah. You just have this dead, yeah. dead object that you, you just sort of hope 
something will happen when you pick it up. Yeah, yeah. You Facebooked a somewhat vague, somewhat damning review of the, what is it called, The Killer? Oh, yeah, The Killer. The, did yeah. you see that? Yeah, I did see and, it, yeah. Uh, what, did you, what did you post on Facebook? It was not, it was not promising. Not, I don't you like may to, not want to see it. Well, I don't like to be critical, but I... Well, you just, well, you went on Facebook and were critical. Yeah, but no one reads my You don't Facebook, like to be critical. You know. So you just feel like you're going to, that's like private, you're just talking to yourself No, I'll slag somewhere. it off, don't worry. I'll slag it. But I thought it was a bit, <laughs> I just, you know, it's, it was competent. And yeah, competent. David Finch, I'm sure, will be thrilled that I thought his work was competent. But, you know, it's just, a, it's an assassin thing. And it's, he's very organized and meticulous. And he, you know, it, it's the same tropes. <laughs> they that, always are. Yeah, they all <laughs> All, all the hitmen. Always good at packing their suitcases. Yeah. And <laughs> you watch it and you think, what, 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 you know, what, what, what was it? What was that all about? So I mean, I feel like it's interesting. I, I was more interested because it is David Fincher, and because he usually doesn't sort of miss. He didn't uh, miss. He's a pretty. It's, he's a pretty consistent yeah. guy. Well, this was consistent, you know. It's just, but it's if you like that sort of thing, it's another of those. You know, it's, it's fast bender mm. doing. Bending is fast in great fashion, you know. It's, <laughs> it, but it's, it, you know, what's it saying? It, it, it just didn't didn't move me, and I, I guess that I, at that level, I was irritated by that because someone of Fincher's talent and Fassbender's talent, you know, yes, you know, you just, I think you want a bit more, but. Well, I think that's what his his sort of brand is, the Fincher brand, is that you are going to get a little bit more. You know, I feel like you go to see a David Fincher movie because you don't think it's going to be just a solid assassin story. You're going to get something Fincher-y that's added into it, you know, some extra bit of storytelling that, that kind of shines the the Fincher flashlight on this thing and lets us see it in a new way. And so I, I think that's the, the fact that it doesn't do that or that yeah. it just feels kind of, kind of pedestrian. It just makes you, you know, like maybe he had to do it. Maybe he was contractually obliged to do it or, you know, who knows? Maybe he needed a movie. Who knows? I mean, I tell you what I did see. I, I think, think in some senses, Michael Mann is, I've seen, you know, I haven't seen a Michael Mann for a long time. And I think that his his work is incredibly visually slick. Um, yeah. Sometimes without much substance. It, you know, occasion. That was my impression anyway. I saw Heat. I watched Heat again, you know, for about the third or fourth time. And that is a superb film. I mean, it's so... I love Heat. Yeah. It's that great. ending scene is just just one of the best. Yeah. Yeah, the ending scene and the shootout in the city. My God, yeah, yeah. it's relentless. That's, it's so beautiful, you know. It's it's just it's worth it's worth seeing that movie just for that part. Yeah, just for that, that I think that's what makes the movie great too. I mean, it's 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 completely, absolutely solid and lovely. But then that thing, that bit of business, just pushes it into its own territory and just. I don't know. So I think that is the ignominious end to this episode of How to Make a Film. We've decided, I think, that next week we're going to review a film in a way, or we're both going to watch the same film 
and try and talk about it in a sensible way as a, to give it sort of focus. But if you're listening and you, you have some ideas of what you'd like us to talk about or not talk about, drop us a line. And also if you have any questions about writing, writing anything or filmmaking or TV or plays or novels or whatever, if we can help, we will. It's podcast at secretplanet.co.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And we are looking for a new editor of our podcast. So if there's anyone out there that would uh, like to get their uh, feet wet or their hands or whatever gets wet when you edit a podcast, please let us know right to the uh, email that Dan just mentioned. And, or indeed a producer is will will uh, producer editor would be great we need, we need every and two new co-hosts yeah we need them so badly